You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, there are many things this weekend that we could talk about. We could talk about the Super Bowl. I made a promise to myself way back when that I would never speak about the Super Bowl on Sunday unless my favorite team was in there. I've never had to break that promise. I have been cursed to follow the Cleveland Browns for all of these years. And there has never been a time when they've been to the Super Bowl. So I'm not going to talk about that today. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up on Monday. And uh, I always get holidays. Whenever I get to preach, it always seems to be like a holiday. And, And so I have run out of holiday sermons. So I'm not going to preach about Valentine's Day today. Uh, We're coming up on Share What You Wear, and that's going to be an exciting week, and I hope you'll be a part of it. Uh, But I'm really not going to preach about that. I hope with Share What You Wear, you're not going to be like a guy I heard about. His wife came to him, and and she said, I've got some clothes that I'd like to donate. And he said, why don't you just give those clothes away? Be a lot simpler just to give them away, throw them away, and uh, you wouldn't have to bother with that. She said, no, 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 I want to take them to share what you wear. And uh, she said, I'm sure in our community there are some starving women who need my clothes. And he looked back at her and he said, well, if they're starving, they're never going to fit in your clothes. I want to announce to you that calling hours will be between 2 and 4 and 6 to 8 tomorrow. Well, if you've read the bulletin and seen my title, you know what we're going to talk about today. For my title is, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Let's give the answer in unison today. Let me ask the question, you answer it for me. What can wash away my sin Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, not your good moral life. No matter how good you might live, that won't wash away your sin. No matter how much money you give to church, that won't do it. Uh, No matter uh, whether you have been a member of this church for years and years, do you know you can live and you can die in this church and perhaps your sins will never be forgiven? It's not based on how many times you have read through the scripture. It is not uh, based on your baptism. It doesn't matter whether you were poured uh, upon with water or whether you were sprinkled or whether you were dunked. That will not forgive your sin. It's not your family Christian heritage. It's not how many times you have participated in communion. And it's not whether you think you're twice as good as the professing Christian who lives down the street from you, and maybe you are better than him in the way that you live, but that will not forgive your sin. The only answer to the question of today is nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Now, I want to tell you that the blood of Jesus has been relegated to an inferior position in many churches today. Oh, they'll talk about the nails that were driven into the hands and feet of Jesus. They will talk about uh, the fact that uh, darkness covered the earth for three hours. They will talk about things that happened to Jesus there on the cross. They'll mention the seven sayings that he uttered from the cross. But the basis of Calvary is the Roman soldier that took that spear and plunged it into the side of Jesus, and the Bible says, out came flowing water and blood. And the soldier stood and he looked and he said, truly, this was the Son of God. That's what Calvary is all about. It's all about the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ there at the cross. You see, the blood is often not spoken of in churches today. In some churches, it would be very uncommon to hear the song we sang this morning. You would probably never hear, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you trusting daily in its saving power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? You see, the blood is not spoken of very often today. And you may say to me, hey preacher, wait a minute. I think we may be going too far on this blood business. What would my friends think if I started to talk to them about the blood? They probably wouldn't like it. That's messy. That's gory. Back in the day, they used to call the blood of Jesus Christ a slaughterhouse religion. And people just don't like it. Some people would say, let's modernize it a little bit. Uh, wouldn't it be just as effective to say that the blood of Jesus was just as powerful to forgive sin when it was flowing in his veins after all, it was perfect, it was pure, wouldn't that be good enough? We could make it more acceptable to our society today. Well, I want to tell you, I, I try to be polite to people. I try to be considerate. You wouldn't believe how polite I was taught to be. I went to a college that they told you if you had a bowl of soup in front of you and you had some crackers over here, that the proper way to put a cracker into your soup was to take one cracker and just kind of divide it like that and drop it into your soup. You didn't take a whole handful and crush them up, put them in your soup. No, you did one at a time. I want to tell you, I was taught to be proper. But I want to tell you, I can only go so far. Somebody comes along and says, the blood didn't have to be poured out of Jesus Christ. It was just effect as effective when it was flowing in his veins. I want you today to hear the eternal truth of the word of God. It's found in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Listen. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Sins can't be forgiven unless the blood was shed. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient.
Throughout Scripture, Jesus is known as the Lamb that was slain. The songwriter said, Five bleeding wounds he bears, received at Calvary. They pour effectual prayers, and they strongly plead for me. Forgive them, Lord, forgive, they cry, nor let that ransomed sinner die. Jesus Christ is the Lamb that was slain even before the foundation of the world. It's interesting, the Hebrew word for blood has a connotation of money and payment, and it speaks of the redemptive price that Jesus paid at the cross of Calvary. You see, Adam and Eve sold us very cheap back in the Garden of Eden, and since that time, God has been going one way, and man has been going another way. And there needed to be a redemptive price paid back to God because of mankind's sin. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He shed his blood. And today, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isn't that something? You ever think of that? How in the world does our sin become white like snow and like wool in the sight of God? I read something the other day, and it said if you view a red object through a red filter, that red object will appear to be white. And I thought to myself, man, isn't that great? God knew about that even before science discovered it. He said this, though your sins be like scarlet, when I view those sins through the prism of the blood of Jesus Christ, red through red, they will be as white as snow. And though I view your sins as uh, uh, something that I need to forgive when I view those sins through the filter of the blood of Jesus Christ, they appear white as snow. Nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible calls that the propitiation for our sin. Now that's a big word. What does that mean? Propitiation means satisfaction. God is satisfied when he looks upon the cross of Calvary, he sees the crucified Son of God, and he views the blood that was shed. And only when God sees that does God say, I am satisfied. And that's why we see Jesus coming up from the grave we see him ascending back to heaven, and we see God saying, sit on my right hand. That's the place of honor, the place of acceptance, the place of glory. And God says to him, That's, that sacrifice never needs to be repeated again. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. It says, in whom? We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches 
of his grace. That's what he did for us. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. In other words, we were not redeemed from that continual dysfunctional life of sin from one generation to another. How do we escape that? How do we have our sins forgiven? He says, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I want to speak to you this morning about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Number one, I want you to see that this blood is a promised blood. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 14 says this, For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, You shall not eat the blood of uh, any manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is in the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. That speaks of the sacredness of blood. We find God kneeling in the dust, the Bible says. And from the dust of the ground, he created man. And he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. I want to tell you, that's much easier to believe than it is to believe that you and I came from a blob, came from an explosion of a small element, and everything evolved into what we have today. Now the Bible says God created man there in the Garden of Eden, and He placed into him the breath of life. He created with him all the blood types that we would have today, and He says the life is in the blood. The blood is sacred. And so we see Adam and Eve. They're in the garden and they sin. And they realize they are naked before God. And so they go into the bushes and they hide themselves. And the Bible says God comes along and He provides a covering for them. What did He do to provide that covering? In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, the Bible says, Unto Adam also... And to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. He covered them. He provided for them. But how did he do it? The animal of whose fur those coats were made was slain. The blood of that animal was shed. It was a picture of what Jesus would do one day. We read that Adam and Eve instructed their two boys, Cain and Abel, and they told them what was expected from them if God were to honor them. And he told them only a blood sacrifice will be accepted by God. Look, if you will, in Genesis 4 and verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. He brought a blood sacrifice, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. What was it that Adam and Eve instructed them? You have to bring a blood sacrifice to God. 
Later on, as we follow the Israelites through their history, we read that when they were down in Egypt and God was about to deliver them, what happens? God tells them, a blood sacrifice must be made. And so over in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, we read this. Take a lamb, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. And you shall take it out of the sheep or of the goats, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the month. Why? So you could observe any imperfection in that lamb. The lamb was a picture of Jesus, who would be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the house, wherein you shall eat it. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses whereof you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Do you see the picture? God says, take a lamb, put the blood on the two side posts and on the lintel of the door. You realize where the blood was not placed? Maybe you never realized this before, but God said, don't put any blood on the threshold. The blood is not to be trampled upon. The blood is not to be walked upon. The blood is sacred. And so take the blood, and when I pass through the land to destroy the firstborn of Egypt, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And I want to tell you today, in your life, if you know Jesus Christ, and you've claimed the blood of Jesus Christ as the cleansing of your sin, when God comes through this life and he sees the blood, he will pass over you. He loves you, he cherishes you, and he has saved you for all eternity to come. And so an entire sacrificial system was based upon the blood. And one day, the Old Testament tells us, a Messiah would come. And a Messiah would fulfill all the sacrifices that were made. Isaiah says this in that wonderful 53rd chapter. He says, uh, but he, speaking of Jesus, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And now listen, and with his stripes, by the shedding of his blood, we are healed. I want to tell you folks, this blood that was shed at Calvary, it was promised blood. But second of all, I want you to see that it was protected blood. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, we read this verse. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Well, the first thing I want to say is if you're looking at a translation in your Bible, and it says there, Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son. You need to take that version of the Bible and you need to get rid of it. Because that is one of the most important verses in all the Word of God. God says, a virgin. 
Not the way people are born today. Not the way people have always been born. But in a very supernatural, miraculous way, the Messiah who would come into this world would be born. Why would he be born in that way? Because every person who comes into this world receives a sin nature. That sin nature comes through the man's seed. And therefore, the Bible says, if the Messiah who is to come is to be perfect, if he is to have no sin, then he can't have a human sin nature. And so God says, behold, here's what's going to come, the Messiah. And when he comes, he will be virgin born. What does that enable Jesus Christ to do? That enables Jesus Christ to walk through this life for his 33 years and never do anything wrong. Didn't have a sin nature. Never sinned. That's what the Bible says. Therefore, his sacrifice at the cross of Calvary, which was the main reason he came, would be genuine. It would be perfect for every one of us because he died there without sin. If you and I went to the cross, we couldn't pay for other people's sin because we're already a sinner. But Jesus Christ went to the cross and he could die for you and you and me because he knew no sin. Matthew chapter 1, verses 23 through 25 say this. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called him Jesus. Jesus wasn't born in a natural way. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. But while he thought on these things... Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you this blood that was shed for your sin and mine was not only a promised blood, but it was a protected blood. There was no sin in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was born, or he was born, of a virgin, and he lived a sinless life upon this earth. And therefore, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, sin for us. This one, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I don't become righteous in myself when I become a Christian. I am made the righteousness of God, for God looks at me through the prism of the blood of Jesus Christ, and He sees me as white as snow. I am justified. What does that mean? That means that God looks at me just as if I had never sinned. 
You see, your sin can't go to heaven with you. If you want to go to heaven and you refuse the blood of Christ, there's no way for you to get there. Because you can't take your sin to heaven with you. We just had our carpets cleaned not too long ago. And after that, every time I walked in the house, somebody would say, take your shoes off. Why? Because if I'd walk on that clean carpet in my dirty shoes, our carpet would get cleaned. And my wife said, it's too expensive to get them cleaned all the time. Take your shoes off. And so I do, most of the time. But God looks at you and me, and he says this. He says, you can't bring your sin to heaven, because if you brought your sin to heaven, you would defile this holy place. And so there's no sin in heaven. So how do I get there? I ask myself the question, what can wash away my sin? And I come back with the answer, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so I come to him and I said, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Please save me. And he grants unto me eternal life. And he says, you can go to heaven for all eternity to come. I want to tell you today, this blood is a promised blood. This blood is a protected blood. And this blood is a provided blood. The songwriter said, there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save when this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. This blood is a provided blood. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 say this, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Imagine that. Before we ever thought of serving him, Jesus Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I don't have to worry about a tribulation time to come that may be drawing very, very near and will come about when Jesus comes back for his people. I'm going along with him when he comes back. I don't have to worry about that wrath. And I don't have to worry about the wrath of eternal judgment. Because my Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I am confident that I will never stand in condemnation for my sin, because the Bible says I'm justified. All the demands of God's law have been met for me, and we're saved from wrath because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus you who were sometimes far off, that's us, far off, Gentiles, not even considered in the plan of God, we were afar off but now we are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He has made salvation available to you and to me. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. But this man, speaking of Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, 
sat down on the right hand of God. And their sins and iniquities, God says, will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Jesus Christ went to the cross. Man, he went to the cross and he cried out, it is finished. And it was. God says, come on up back here. What a reunion there must have been between God the Father and God the Son. And God the Father looks at His Son and He says, sit here on my right hand. No more sacrifices necessary. You don't have to go and do it again. Never is there a sacrifice that needs to be made for sin because the perfect, sinless, stainless Son of God has died for you and for me. Just think, just think. All of those sacrifices, all of that blood, all of those priests, all of those promises, all fulfilled in six hours as Jesus hangs upon the cross from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. And finally the cry rings out from his voice, finished, and it was done. This blood that keeps me safe from day to day and will never lose its power. This blood was a promised blood. It was a protected blood. It was a provided blood. And finally this morning, it is a pertinent blood. It applies to us. The sacrifice was made over 2,000 years ago, but it's still important to you and me today. Look at Matthew 26, 28. Every time you take that cup at communion filled with the grape juice, it represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Look what he said. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Every time you pray, it is based upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. How do you close your prayer? In Jesus' name I pray. Why do you pray that way? Well, that's the way prayers are to end. No, that isn't the reason. You pray that way because what you're saying is, Lord, I present my requests before you. Not on the basis of who I am or what I've done, but I ask that you provide for my need on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross of Calvary. I claim the precious blood of Jesus Christ and I pray that you might answer my prayer. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us. I want to stop for a minute. That word cleanseth means this. It means it cleanses and it keeps on cleansing. That's the tense in which it is written. It wasn't just that there was a sacrifice made back at Calvary and that was it. No, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us and keeps on cleansing us. That's why when you sin as a Christian, you can go before the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me. And God says to us, that sin is forgiven. It's already been paid for on the cross of Calvary. Oh, listen, the blood of Christ is pertinent for us today. It applies in so many other areas, but one verse, one passage in closing. Listen to this one, Hebrews chapter 10. 
Verse 29 through 31. Now I want to tell you something. I believe in the security of the believer with all my heart. I believe that once you are genuinely saved, you are saved for all eternity to come. You can't lose it because you've been born into the family of God. And there's not a person alive today who has been born into a family who can be unborn. You can't be unborn. And so when you're born into the family of God, you are a child of God for all eternity to come. And I believe that with all my heart. But when I read this passage and several others in the Bible, I hope, number one, it's talking about unbelievers. But if it's talking about Christians, it makes me rather nervous. Will you listen to this passage? How much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God? He has renounced the work that Jesus has done on the cross. And he hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. See, that's what makes me worry. It's the blood that he was sanctified by. He'd already experienced that. Wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will repent, uh, re, uh, recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge. What did he say? The Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I want to say to you today, if you have never been to Jesus for the cleansing power, and you've never been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've never taken Jesus Christ as your Savior and accepted that sacrifice of the shed blood on the cross of Calvary. You're in a precarious, dangerous position today. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the living God says, if you reject my provision of salvation, you are going to spend an eternity of separation from me in a place called hell and then in a place called the lake of fire. Oh, my friend, I'll tell you today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that today. And if you're a Christian, and you've kind of backslidden and turned your back on the Lord and lived in sin for a while. You need to get your life right today. Because if this passage speaks about you as a backslidden Christian, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God as one of His children. I don't fully understand what that would mean. That might mean that you would die before your appointed time. It might mean that you will lose all the rewards that you have ever gained from serving Jesus Christ. It might mean that you'll stand embarrassed that day at the judgment seat of Christ when all the rewards of the crowns are passed out and you stand there empty-handed, embarrassed before your Savior. Whatever that passage means is the blood of Jesus Christ is sacred and you need to view it that way and you need to respect it that way if i were to ask you today do you want to go to heaven everybody would say yes you'd be a fool not to say i want to go to heaven well if that be so you need to ask yourself the question this morning what can wash 
away my sin. And the answer comes back. There is no other answer. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Do you know him today? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you might bless it to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you might meet needs today. We thank you for the blood of Christ that is sufficient to meet every need that we face in this life. We're so glad we don't have to come to you on our own merits, but we can come to you. And Lord, we can plead what Jesus Christ has done for us and know that you hear us and you will answer our prayer. But Lord, today I've got some people that I really want to pray for. I really want to pray for that person who's here outside of Jesus Christ. They've never been saved. They've never asked you to forgive them for their sin. They've never received you as their personal Savior. Oh Lord, the Word of God is so definitive. It is so real. And it gives us the truth that one day those who have refused you will fall into the hands of a living God. And they'll be cast into hell. And ultimately into the lake of fire, a place of eternal separation from the God of their creation. Please, Lord, by your Spirit, work in their hearts today. Draw them to Jesus Christ. They would say today, I want to go to heaven. And you would say back to them, you need to plunge beneath the blood of Jesus. You need to be saved. And Lord, for Christians who may be here, and there's some Christians here today, no doubt, Lord, that have kind of turned their back on you. And they've walked in the way of their own eyes for some time. Lord, I want to pray for them today, and I want to say, Lord, please convict them. The Bible says it'll be a sore punishment that comes upon those who have trodden underfoot the blood of Jesus wherewith they were sanctified. So, Lord, by your convicting spirit, I pray that you might speak to those who need to get their life right with Jesus Christ today. And, Lord, I pray that they may come and do that this very hour. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for us. And I pray today that you might impress upon our hearts and on our lives the reality, how pertinent the blood of Christ is, how it was promised, how it was protected, and how it was provided. And may we praise you and thank you by dedicating and surrendering our lives to you. Bless now in this invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.